all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and at harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing for just a moment as we look at this scripture. We're in our series, Evolutionaries, and that's who you are. Say, that's who I am. You're an evolutionary. You, you, you are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the one that God has chosen and God has picked, which is the reason why often I'm talking to somebody if you felt like a black sheep, even amongst your family, even amongst your relatives. That is because you're the sheep that was sent to change the other sheep. Don't worry about not fitting in. If you don't fit in, that's because you're, cre- you're supposed to create a whole new fit. Somebody say, I'm an evolutionary. Psalm 138 and 8, we looked at the scripture last week. It says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. That word perfect means evolve. Say evolve. The Lord will evolve that which concerns me. Look at me, 1115. Everything in your life, watch this, has been changing. Can I get a witness? The people around you have been changing. Can I get another witness? The things that used to bring you joy are changing. Can I get another witness? Uh, The places you used to go are changing. Can I get another witness? That's because the Lord says he doesn't just want to leave you be. He wants to make you better. Say he doesn't just want to leave me be. He wants to make me better. Father, now I pray that you would customize, tailor make this word for us, your people, that we move and walk in what you've ordained. We thank you that you're going to speak to us today with clarity. You're going to speak to us with power. In Jesus' name, everybody at the 1115 said, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, This series, first off, uh, this message is going to be a game changer in your life. Why, Bishop? Because it is going to give you a perspective from which you can now operate at that is going to help you to be your very best. Say, this message will be a game changer for me. 
Uh, watch this. This series we're in called Evolutionaries is about who Jesus is, who I am, and who you are. We are evolutionaries. And to evolve means to develop, to advance, to grow, to rise, to progress, to expand, to unfold, to transform, and go through the process of change uh, and continuous change from a lower state to a higher state. Here's what I love about evolution. It is continuous change. It's not an event. It is a process. Somebody say, it's not an event. Say, it's a process. Which means, watch this, sometimes we get satisfied thinking that it's an event, and so we'll say, God, can I just have one regular day? But you don't serve a regular God, so you should not have any regular days. Which means every day, even the challenges that come your way are designed to evolve you. Even the difficulties that come your way are designed to evolve you. Stop looking for regular when you serve a God that is irregular. He is the God that is King of kings and Lord of lords and the great I am. He doesn't do anything regular. He doesn't do anything average. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, our God is not regular. Yeah, it's continuous change from a lower state to a higher state. And on Sunday, we learned that to be an evolutionary, you must be blank. And we filled in the blank. There were two blanks. You remember? They both started with B. Well, the first one is you must be born again. And we said that being born again or becoming a Christian or making a decision or giving your life to Jesus. All of those things are the same thing. We learn, watch this, that it may start with a prayer, but it evolves into discipleship. And you can't be the type of Christian, and if you're not a Christian, you're going to have an opportunity in just a moment to become one. Because the same God that loves me is the same God that loves you. The same God that's never given up on me is the same God that's never given up on you. The same God that loves your neighbors, the same God that loves you. It starts with a prayer, but it can't stop there. Being a Christian's got to start with the prayer, but it's got to evolve into discipleship. Say, it must evolve. So to evolve into a disciple, and a disciple is a disciplined student. Watch this. Uh, we ask these questions. One, what did you walk away from? For many people, they pray the prayer and go back to life as usual, as if that's the way it's supposed to work. So what happens is, is they're the same old they used to be. They just now have a WWJD t-shirt on. That's not what our God does. He takes us and he makes us brand new. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, behold, old things have passed away and all things are made new. Which means this 1115, God says, when you give your life to me, do not expect your life to go back to the way it was. Expect your life to evolve. But if Christianity costs you nothing, you'll treat it like nothing. Which is why some people, we can look at Jesus and we can think we're doing him a favor to come to church. Because we, it, Christianity didn't cost us anything. But for some people, we can think that we're doing God a favor to lift our hands, a favor to clap our hands. Not realizing it cost him his life. Oh, maybe you don't know the gospel. Here it is. 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body died so that you and I can have life and life more abundantly. And not watch this. Not only that we would have life, but that we'd be able to give life to other people. See, you weren't sent just for you. You were sent to be a blessing to somebody else. That's why you've been through all the hell you've been through. Why? So you could be a blessing to somebody else. You weren't, watch this, uh, uh, abandoned for nothing. You were abandoned to help somebody else. You weren't rejected for nothing. You were rejected to help somebody else. You weren't sexually abused for nothing. You were abused so that you'd be able to testify to somebody else and say, the same God that got me through that is the same God that'll get you through it. But watch this now, watch this. If Christianity costs you nothing, starts with prayer, but it's got to evolve, then you'll treat it like nothing. But then we also ask this question, what have you denied yourself of? Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Which means real Christianity isn't just God do what 
I want you to do. Real Christianity is God, give me the grace to say no to myself. It's easy to say no to what you don't want to do. But, but it's very difficult to say no to what you want to do. Can I just get some real folk here to 1115? There's some folks, what you wanted to do was to, to, to use some known tongues with people. Y'all know what known tongues are, don't you? You don't know what known tongues are. Let me translate. Known tongues. Words that you'd have to go beep. Now, I know you don't know nothing about that. But that neighbor of yours. They are very proficient. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Sometimes you'll want to say, beep. Now, be real in church. Okay, where, okay, where are the people that can be honest with me? Listen, so if you won't do it, I'll be honest. And sometimes I won't pray. Um, what do you say no to yourself for? He says, if anyone wants to follow me, if anybody wants to be seriously into this thing, what do you deny yourself of? It's easy to say yes, 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 yes to yourself, but you have to learn how to say no to yourself. When even it's something that feels good, but it isn't for your good. And your neighbor, your neighbor's that type of person. Your neighbor has been developing the ability to say no to themselves. Your neighbor has been developing the ability to say no to uncontrollable emotions. Watch this. Your neighbor has been developing the ability to say no to arrogance and no to pride and no to, I'm not missing church, no. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, learn to say no to yourself. So the first one was you must be born again. Here was the second one. You must be broken. And that's why Psalm 138 and it says that the Lord will perfect or evolve that which concerns me. See, you and I, we've been molded to think and act like we do because of the nouns, people, places, things, and ideas that we've been exposed to. But we all must evolve because hear me, 1115, God's in the business of making things better, not leaving them be. Many times, have you ever started a project and you were like, oh, God, I should have just left that be. You, you ever thought cleaning your house was going to take 20 minutes? To only when you start, where the real forget, to when you started pulling stuff out and ripping stuff out of drawers and getting your bills out of the kitchen next to the forks? Oh, you, I just, I wish I would have left it be. That's how our evolution process is. See, watch this. You thought you only had one issue to work out until you started cleaning and start, God started evolving you. And then you discovered, oh my God, I got that and that and that and that. But here's the good news. There's grace. And there's mercy that it's going to be with you as you are evolving. God's not in the business of leaving us be. He's in the business of making us better. If you wanted to just stay as you were, well, then Jesus isn't the guy for you. But you need to know there is no other guy. Because the only tomb where they can't find his bones... The, the only place where you can document what he did... There's only one name by which men are saved, and that's the name of Jesus. He's in the business of making things better, not leaving things be, which is why Jeremiah 18 and 4 says this, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Clay is us. And it was in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Which, look at this verse. And the vessel was made of what? Clay, but it was marred. It was messed up. It was good enough for back then, but it needed to evolve. 
And it was in the hand of the potter. God's the potter. So he made it what? Again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Just leave the verse up for a moment. Several things I want you to see here. First off is notice whose hand is it in? The potter. Okay? Which means you think you're in control, but you're not in control. In fact, your illusion of being in control is nothing more than delusion. Got it? Touch your neighbor and say, you're not in control. See, to be in control of you, that would mean you would have to have paid the price for you. But since Jesus paid the price for you and I 2,000 years ago, that means then he's in control. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. So it was in the hand of the potter. So he made it what? Again. To make it again means that it would have had to have already been made. So the only way to make it again is you have to break what it was so you can make it into something new. And I think I got some witnesses. That's what's been happening in your life. You are being broken, and he's making you into something new. Somebody say he breaks in order to make. So, so check this out. Check this out. So to make you new, Lem 15, he breaks the old you. He breaks the old you. And watch this. Here's how he does it. Job 16 and 14. Now, if, if this is happening in your life, this would be a good place. Maybe you're not a clapper. Maybe you're not a shouter. Maybe you're just a person that sits and receives the word in a very pedagogical, uh, cerebral pedagogical. That means scholastic. Okay? Uh, and maybe you're just very cerebral. I get it. I get it. Maybe, okay. But this would be the one time in the message where it's totally okay to drop all of that and be like, ha! Or some other loud, exuberant expression. Got it? Because here's how he breaks us to make us. Say, he breaks me, he breaks me. to make me. Here it is, Job 16, 14. He breaks me with wound upon wound. Okay, so he breaks me. Watch this, because maybe you're like, well, I don't have any wounds. Watch this. With disappointment upon disappointment. With Judas after Judas, with bad relationship after bad relationship, bad friendship after bad friendship, lost car after lost car, lost house after lost. You, you got something that keeps on happening, and it's over and over and over. And Job says he breaks me that way. But he's not breaking me to beat me down. He's breaking me to beat, or excuse me, to build me up. Job says he breaks me with wound upon wound. Somebody say wound upon wound. Here's the trip about God's breaking process is, number one, you cannot avoid it. Here's the other thing about his breaking process is it doesn't stop until he's done. Let me prove it to you. You ever thought you were at the end of something? And to only wake up the next day and be like, ah! Maybe you didn't say what I just said, but, but you, you ever thought, oh, God, that was then and this is now. I'm, ste I'm stepping out of the past into the future. To only have stepped into the future and it's like, hey, <laughs> I'm still here. God says, it's wound upon wound. Frustration upon frustration. Issue upon issue, drama after drama, failure after failure, disappointment after disappointment. He says, I keep doing it. Stay with me. He says, I keep doing it until your will breaks. 
And then look at this next part of the verse. He runs at me like a warrior. God says, you think you're running from me? Because how many of us, we thought we were running from God at some point? Lord, I'm just, I'm not going to church. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Lord, I'm not, do, I'm not doing that. And God says, oh, you're not? God says, you must not know about me. I'm a warrior. I will come find you in the club. I'll find you at the bar. I'll find you at your ex's house. I'll, wherever you at, I will, I will find. I'm running at you like a warrior because I've invested him too much into you to lose it. So he breaks the old you to make you new. But here's how you are able to make it through that breaking process. Say discipline. Yeah. Say it again. Say discipline. See, discipline, church, is how we win. And discipline, first point of the message, must be developed. See, it's in that breaking process that we develop the discipline to win. I want you to see this in the life of another man. His name was Jeremiah when he was being broken. So, so Job talks about his breaking process. Jeremiah talks about his breaking process. And here's the good news. We all have a breaking process because anything that God breaks, he's preparing to bless. And to bless means to empower, to prosper, to do well, and to be made whole. Which means God says, watch this, if I'm not breaking, I'm not about to bless. But if there's a breaking going in on in your life, that's a good place to give them a shout. Because that means there's blessing coming your way. Well, watch Jeremiah's experience. Jeremiah says this. He says, woe is me for my hurt. My wound is severe. Well, what did we just learn happens with the wounds? Who, who uses those? God does. To do what? Break us. So, what's going on to Jeremiah? He's being broken. God has to break him in order to make him. And notice what he says. Woe is me for my hurt. So, Jeremiah starts out. Jeremiah has this name. He has a nickname. He's called the weeping prophet. Prophet means man of God. Weeping means cries a lot. He's a man of God that cries a lot. Could you imagine coming to church every week? Good morning, everyone. Where's my... And you think, oh, it's real deep because of worship. Someone just said something really bad about me. You'd be like, cry me. Cry me. You'd be like, I'm not going to be coming here a week. And he's just sitting up crying and just it, preach the word. You're going through something. I understand all that. But just stop all that crying. Jeremiah was a man of God that cried a lot. So he starts out, I want you to watch his breaking process. Because in the middle of his breaking process, something snaps in him where he switches from whining and he starts winning. Watch it. Woe is me for my hurt. Wham, wham, wham. Oh, God, this person did this. Oh, God, this person did this. Oh, God. Did this. How, how much longer are you going to whine about what folk have done to you? How much longer are you going to whine about what your daddy didn't do? How much longer are you going to whine about what your mom did do? How much longer are you going to whine? I'm here to tell you, it's time for you to shift out of whining and shift into winning. Somebody holler, no more whining for me. Woe is me for my hurt. Wah, wah, wah. My wound is severe. He's like, God, nobody's going through anything worse than me. <laughs> you ever felt like that? God, nobody's going through greater marital challenges than me except the rest of America. <laughs> nobody's going through great financial situations than me, Lord. Nobody's dealing with this, Lord, except for everyone else that you know. 
you'll think you're alone. So Jeremiah's like, this is, this is too hard, guys. I, just, I can't do it. I just can't do this. And something snaps. There's a huge but in the middle of the verse. But I say, truly, this is an infirmity. Watch what Jeremiah says. Say it with me, church. And I must bear it. He shifts from whining. And then he says, wait a minute. I need to be disciplined. Because I don't have time to sit up and whine about what I got to do. I got to get up and get it done. See, watch this. Disciplined people don't have options where they shouldn't have options. Disciplined people say, I must. Is there anybody in here where you can just say about yourself, I'm developing a I must. I, I can't have options about certain things anymore. Watch. Watch, watch, watch. He says, this is an infirmity. Now, infirmity is interesting because that word in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament, it means it's causing me grief. Because I'm losing the lesser to get something greater. But he says, but I must bear it. He starts the verse whining, but in his breaking, he develops a discipline that causes him to start winning. And that's what my challenge to us today is, church. We've got to shift from our whining, and we've got to shift to winning. See, you've got to develop a discipline that causes you to start winning. Because you're going to have to be like Jeremiah and say, it's painful, but I must bear it. It's costing me some issues and costing me some friends and costing me some family folk, but I must bear. I got to let go of who I was to embrace who I'm becoming, but I must bear. Everything around me is changing. Everything around me is new, but I must bear it. That's how discipline works. Discipline says I don't have an option. I must. Somebody shout, I must. See, too many of us, 1115, are waiting for monumental moments that are never coming because our self-discipline to win hasn't been developed because we still have options about things that shouldn't be optional. Why in the world is it an option for you to allow someone that disrespects you to still have access to you? I, I feel like preaching at 1115. Why in the world do you allow people that treat you like trash still have access to you? Why in the world do you continue to have options? I, I, I feel a preach at this 1115. I thought I was going to get pretty rough at the 915. I kept it pretty kosher. But I think we're going all the way in at this 1115. Why in the world do you tolerate certain things from certain people as if it ain't going to get done if they don't do it? See, when you have discipline, here's what you say. I must. So either you do it with me or get the heck out of my way because I'm going with the goers. Is there anybody at this 1115 that'll say, I got my I must today. And if you ain't going with me, get the heck out of my... Yeah! <laughs> Too many of us are waiting on monumental moments. Waiting on God to have breakthrough. And God says, I'm waiting on you to have discipline. I'm waiting on God to be debt free. God's like, I'm waiting on you to have discipline. I'm waiting on God for great friends. God says, I'm waiting on you to have discipline. You let anybody in. I'm expecting God to do great things in my marriage. I'm waiting on you to have discipline. Y'all don't even talk anymore. He says, I want you to have some discipline. And discipline says, I must. See, when you're disciplined, when you're disciplined, when anything comes your way contrary your I must, it's a I won't. 
And people will entice you with a bunch of things to challenge you. Oh, come go with me on Sunday. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I don't miss church. I must. God's been too good to me. And I made up in my mind, for God I live and for God I die. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I must. I don't negotiate on what I must do. Somebody say, oh, you don't have to do all that faithful giving. I must. Maybe you don't, but that's how I got blessed in the first place. You might see glory, but you don't understand my story. I gave my way out. I gave my way to promotion. I gave my way to debt. I gave my way to that. Discipline isn't a dirty word, but in American culture, it's become dirty. You just want to chill out. Just want to be chill. It's everything. And then we even say that now. Oh, so chill. What does that mean? It's not cold. I'm being funny. That's, that's, that's American culture now. It's chill. And American culture, hear me, American Christianity is very different than biblical Christianity. Because see, biblical Christianity, they had a, I must. I must. So, 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 so check this out. In American Christianity, discipline's a dirty word. Discipline, no, the devil. The devil is the reason that the money's funny. The devil is the reason that your kids act that way. Or maybe it's a lack of. Amen, lights. The devil is the reason that you've got those emotional issues. Or you don't discipline. Or you don't discipline. I was telling someone my testimony, a part of my testimony the other day, and they asked, they said, Bishop, how did you get through all of that? And I said, you know what? I was so focused on the future. If it was painful, I didn't have time to deal with it. I said, so to be honest, I don't even remember if it was painful or not. I said, all I know is I didn't have a choice. I must. And your neighbor's that type of person. I must. We've all had failures. We all have mistakes. But from this day forward, I think there's a few people at this 1115 that will say, I must. See, discipline isn't a dirty word. It's a word that those that dominate love because discipline, hear me, church, is how we win. Which leads you to the second point of the message. Discipline is how we win. Now, let's look at this with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul has a very interesting life because he starts out very arrogant. He was a know-nothing, know-it-all. His little success that he achieved gave him the belief that he knew more than people who had done more on their worst day than he had done on his best day. So Paul, when he is converted to Christianity, he comes as this very arrogant guy. So he talks about the other apostles, the sent ones. He talks about them and says, these guys, you know, they seemed like pillars of the faith. He talks very critically of them because he didn't understand the cost of leadership. Let me just throw this in here for somebody that's in leadership. See, the cost of leadership means decisions have to be made that the fellowship may not understand, but they still have to be made. Because watch this. A leader's job is to keep the water hot. And whenever you have undisciplined people, they're cold water to hot water. So sometimes a leader has to remove cold water to keep the water hot. So Paul is criticizing these guys who've done more than he had done. Be careful when you criticize someone who's done more on their worst day than you've done on your best day. 
You know, it's interesting when people talk about even in the Denver region or even in America, and they talk about churches, oh, church this and church that. Well, until you fed as many people as we fed, and until you've clothed as many people as you've clothed, and until you save people from suicide as much as we until you've done what we've done, shut your mouth, because you're not qualified to criticize what you ain't done on your best day, what we did on accident. You ever had somebody do that to you? They're trying to criticize you, and you're like, really? You have one sale, yet you're the sales expert? <laughs> Got it. Got it. Anybody ever had anybody do that to you? You know, like, you, you've been married for two months, and you're giving marriage counseling classes? First Corinthians 9.24, let's move on. So Paul has this interesting journey. And so Paul now, he goes through a breaking process. And in his breaking process, watch one of the revelations he has. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Say, I must run. But he says, run in such a way you may obtain it. Check it out. He's obtained what? The prize. See, the race is scheduled. You must run, so you might as well win. But here's the question. Say, what do I win, Bishop? Evolution. Race right here is the word progress in the Greek language of our New Testament, which means evolution. So he says, do you not know that those who run the race of evolution all run, but only one gets the prize? And I don't know about you, I like winning. Winning isn't everything, it's just what we do. Paul says, run in such a way you may obtain it. I think one of the worst things we've done in American culture is give participation awards. Because then what we do is make everybody think, well, as long as you showed up, that was enough. Well, no, you need to show up ready to win. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because here's what happens. To the guy who gave his all, if he gets the same reward to the guy who didn't give anything, and they both get to sit at the same banquet table and get the same cake and the same lunch and the same speech from the coach, no, if I did more and I made whim, then I should get more. It's quiet in the church. Okay, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you because you're like, no, Bishop, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to help you. Anybody ever worked in a team on your job, in school, anything like that? You worked on a team? And you had that one team member. Uh-huh. You already know. You already know where I'm going. You had that one team member. You were on time to every study group. You were on time for every assignment. You did everything on time. And then that one person always showed up late, always had an excuse. If it wasn't their dog, it was their cat. If it wasn't their cat, it was their frog. If it wasn't their frog, it was their pig. If it wasn't their pig, it was their parents. If it wasn't their parents, it was, the, it was the traffic. If it wasn't the traffic, it was the devil. If it wasn't the devil, it was God. If it wasn't God, it was Zeus. If it wasn't Zeus, it was Hades. If it wasn't Hades, it was something. And you, you sitting there just like, and you knew to yourself, they're not going to do their part. So then the other team members had to get together to have a secret meeting because y'all were too scared to confront the cold water. And then now we got to do all of this work to get it done. Anybody ever had something like that happen? And they didn't do their part, so then now everybody else can do their part. We've all had that happen. See, that's what Paul is saying here. Paul says, run the race to win. Say, I plan to win. So then watch verse 26. Therefore, I run as thus, or I run like this, not with uncertainty. Uh, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Paul says, I'm not going to waste my time doing things that aren't moving me in the direction of evolution. 
See, because discipline is what I say yes to, discipline is what I say no to, and discipline is what I say yes or no to consistently. See, it's not discipline if you do it one day, but you don't do it the next day. Discipline means I do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You ever gone to the gym? I just use the gym because it's easy to teach from. And then Colorado, like, that's the business to be in, apparently. I was thinking about just on church, just like just taking this section and this section and just putting, uh, just putting you know, weight lifting over here and other stuff over here. I just said we have a gym. So for those that want to get the word while they're working out. <laughs> Say it, Bishop. Double time, go. Okay. <laughs> There's a gym everywhere. Here's the point. You ever gone to the gym? <laughs> when you go to the gym, why? I didn't already see something. <laughs> oh, yeah. You taking gym selfies? <laughs> Two, three, four. Oh, let me watch my form. Five. That's good. Whew, what a workout. And then you did those five reps. You go to the next day. I'm good on that. Now you're over here messing with something else. You haven't touched biceps in four weeks. And you come back like, oh, I think I'm still good. No, it's good. That's good. I don't want to push myself too, too hard. No, it's working out. It's working out. Uh, getting in shape. Yeah, getting in shape. It's all about being in shape. Somebody like, where are you going with this? You stopped doing it. Yet you expect results. You stopped doing, watch this husbands, what it took to get her, to keep her. And now you wonder why she acting that way. Okay. Okay, I know the fellas are like, Bishop, you better get them too. I'm coming for them. Here we go. So wives, you, you wonder why he listens when other women give him compliments. Because you stopped. You stop doing what works. You saw how he acted when you complimented him, ladies. You took your husband. So. So, yeah, maybe you showed you you showed looking strong. Am I? Am I, honey? Watch out, sweetheart. I'll get that. Stand back. I'm your man. I got you covered. I got this. Don't you ever been down to pick anything else ever again. I don't care if I'm at work. You text me and I will come to where you are to come pick up the receipt off the floor. Watch this. Whenever you feed something, it grows. And so discipline says, I'll feed it because I want it to grow. But discipline also says, I need to starve what I want to die. And I think there's somebody at this 1115 that says, it's some stuff I'm about to feed and it's some stuff I'm about to starve. Watch verse 27. Paul says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I preach to others, I should be disqualified. Paul says, I don't want to be a fake. I don't want to be a phony. I'm the real thing. So Paul says, I don't want to preach it to you, but not do it myself. So he says, I discipline my body. And discipline means I lead it. I bring it along. I bring it into subjection to be fully compliant to the will of a master. My body, you know what that means? My senses. 
Paul says, I am the master of my senses. They don't master me. But can we be honest? For most of us, we are mastered by our senses. And to be an evolutionary, you got to reverse it. Reverse! You have all the good sound effects at the 1115. You don't give me nothing at the 915, but no, that, I know. I'm just, I'm good hard time. <laughs> That's great. But that is really cool. We'll do that for offering. Is that the cha-cha? Reverse! Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> so for those of you who want to dance after church, we got something for you. Touch your name and say, you can have fun in church. If you grew up in church, you thought you're just supposed to go and be tortured for an hour and a half. That's not how we do it here. Aren't you glad that you can come into a place where there's life? You can be yourself. You can be free. You can be you. You can be everything God's ordained for you to be. Watch this though. Paul says, I'm the master of my senses. Somebody said, what is he fighting? His emotions. Senses. Hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. Paul says, the only way I'm going to win is I got to master my senses. But most of us, we're mastered by our senses. Because if you don't feel like doing something, I don't, here's what we say. I don't feel like it. You know what that is? It is an admission of laziness. I, I'm doing the best I can. When you want to have a bad attitude, and you know you have one because you can feel your face forcing you to have a bad attitude. Smile at your neighbor. Paul says, discipline yourself. And in the South, I'm born in Denver, raised in the South, raised in Memphis. That's why I claim the South. 901. Anyone else? Two, three, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Y'all, some of y'all ain't from Memphis. You're from Park Hill. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> like on Memphis Street, though, Bishop, in Park Hill, Memphis Street. You're from, you're from Southland. So I'm from uh, Memphis Court, Memphis Court. Eight, six, 816, back up there. Check this out. Check this out. We're almost done, church. Check this out. In the South, in Denver, we have different types of discipline. We have timeout. We have phone in the cup on the table. <laughs> okay. You know, we have, we have, you know, you know, no dessert after dinner. In the South, we had another type of discipline. What was that, Bishop? It was the nearest object that your parent could find at that time. And so depending on what room y'all were in, they might take a keyboard cord and say, come here, move your hand. Didn't I tell you not to do it? Move your hand. I'm gonna give you something to cry about, move. And if it wasn't a keyboard cord, the nearest bottle, the nearest iron cord, the nearest cast iron skillet, the nearest purple comb. That's why I hate purple combs today. <laughs> Paul says, that's what I do to my senses when they get out of order. And if you ever, and I'm, I'm not encouraging you to break your local, state, or federal laws. I'm, I'm encouraging you. <laughs> 
The Bible says, spare the rod. Some of us today, the reason we're still alive is because of purple combs. The reason we're still alive is because of ironing boards and whatever else. And refrigerators. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> okay, I got to preach. And here's what we do. Here's what we do. Anybody remember this one? If you remember this one, just wave at me. Remember this one. Whenever that discipline was coming to you, you do this. <laughs> and the more you did that, the further back the hand went or whatever. And some of us, when you got disciplined, it was like the matrix because they went all the way. But I bet you whatever you did for that to happen, you never did again. You were like Jesus. And from that day, he became subject. That's what Paul says he does. See, watch this. Discipline is developed when you say yes or no to consistently for the right reasons. Yes or no to what, Bishop? Nouns. People, places, things, and ideas. So check it out. We're almost done. See, Paul says I bring it into subjection. So that means you got to look at what you're looking at. The music you listen to, television, internet, social media, news, magazines, video games, friends, family with personal opinions that aren't biblical. See, we have too much of us that's not under subjection because we think we have options. But we have to be like Jeremiah said. We must say, I must. I don't have options about certain things. I don't have options about coming to church. I don't have options about faithfully giving. I don't have options about serving. I don't have options about putting God first. And when I make a mistake, I don't have an option to stay down there. When I fail, I don't have an option to stay on the ground. I'm talking to somebody today at this experience. You've had some failures. You've made some mistakes. And for the last couple of weeks, the last few months, you've just been wallowing like Jeremiah. Wham, wham, wham. Well, today I came to speak you up out of your whining and speak you into your winning. Somebody holler, I must. Shout it again, I must. You got to bring it under subjection, which means you're going to do what I say. Because I said to. I said so. When your emotions try to get you to act wild, I said so. Well, I just want to have a crying moment. You are grown man. You are grown woman. If you're going to shed tears, they better have a purpose. But so what do you mean? Let those tears push you into purpose. Let those tears make you say, you know what? Watch me get better. Can I be honest with you? Some of the greatest evolutions that have come in my life have came on the heels of disappointment, failure, wounds, etc. And I chose to take that energy and do something with it. And I said, I must. You think, you th oh, I'm like MC Hammer. You think this is going to make me quit? You think this is going to make me give up? Oh, hammer time, baby. I'm too legit. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey. I ain't gonna do the dance. I ain't gonna do the dance. But I got the, I could, the slippery shoes on there. I could do it. But Which brings me to my final point. Discipline determines your destination. See, watch this. Your disciplines actually determine your destination. And the antonym or the opposite of discipline is laziness. It means to stop, to be idle, to be inactive, to be underactive, sluggish, or to stop doing what works. And you'll start losing when you get lazy. And we drift into the wrong direction when we lack discipline. I've noticed one consistent reason that people who start out winning that I've mentored or spiritually followed or hired or unhired, believed in or stopped believing in, and that's that they lack the discipline to win when winning stopped being easy. 
When winning was easy, they did great. And when winning got hard, they lacked the discipline. And then they want to blame the very hand that trains, not realizing it's your laziness that got you there because winning's not easy anymore. Let me prove it to you. If you were to play a video game, any gamers? Somebody said, oh, yeah, you must be the champion. I want you to play my games for me and win them all. Give me some points. Let me prove it to you. Most of us don't go set it on the hard setting. Most of us would be like, eh, easy, super easy. Might as well just set the joystick down. <laughs> That's probably the right mode. Might as well set the joystick down. And then you beat it so you feel good. And then you go back and you're like, I think I can do the next level. And the next level, the very first obstacle, like, yeah, let me go back. <laughs> Anybody? Because when winning is easy, it's easy to be disciplined. When winning gets harder, that's when real discipline has to come out. And your neighbor, they're the type of person. See, when you face obstacles in your marriage, obstacles with friends, obstacles with family, obstacles with relatives, there are going to be certain battles that are easy. There are going to be some that are hard. And that's when discipline is going to matter the most. Because now I have to stay disciplined to ensure a win because this win won't be as easy as the last win. Can I get a witness in the church? So watch this. So watch this. Watch this. I, I want to lose weight. It's just one more brownie. I want people to be honest with me. It's just one more lie. I want to soar, but it's just one more chicken I hang out with. I want to succeed, but I just need to take another nap. I want to be out of debt, but it's just one more credit card. I want to be a stronger Christian. It's just one Sunday I miss. Uh, you got to be up early, got to sleep late, because discipline is the vehicle that gets you to your destination. Not skill, not talent, not gifting, not anointing, not discipline. Uh, discipline, excuse me, is the vehicle of the kingdom. So here's my question. What are you driving? What are you driving? If you're not driving discipline, you're driving the opposite, which is lazy. And, and I know this might be tough, but it should really challenge us all to be better. That's what God does. There are certain areas of our life we've gotten lazy. Let's just tell the truth. There's certain areas where it's just like you can see the decline. You ever looked at somebody and you can see the decline? You're like, wow, when you started out, you said, who bewitched you? Check this out. Here's an example of that. But before we get there, I just need to check the room. Anybody believe you're an evolutionary? All right? Anybody believe you're evolving? All right, all right. So, so I want you to see this, and when we get this, we're just going to have a good time for these last 60 seconds. You ready? Here it is. Uh, 90 seconds. Got to be disciplined. Here it is. 2 Kings 13, 18. Here's an example of this. Discipline. Say, discipline determines my destinations. See, in, in our culture today, we think, oh, I'm just going to have a cool video. It's going to go viral. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> Not so. And it wasn't viral. They paid for it. Uh, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, but here's the point. We sometimes look for the microwave way. Do I really want to boil the potatoes? Can I just put them in the microwave? Do I really want hard-boiled eggs in my tuna? Or do I just want the tuna? Because the eggs are going to delay me 20 minutes. And I'm hungry now, post-fast. 
post-fast. Because some of you are like, oh, we can have two on a fast? No. I'm just using this as an example. Here it is. Say discipline. See, this is how you actually get to where you're going. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, this is Elisha, the man of God, speaking to the king of Israel. Strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and he stopped. Say he struck the ground three times. Then he stopped. What did Elisha tell him to do, though? He said, what? Strike the ground. So what does that mean? Keep striking until I say stop. That's how discipline works. It's not, well, I did it two times and it didn't work. No, you have to keep doing it. Keep striking. You have to keep striking. What if Jesus would have given up the first person that didn't want to hear what he had to say? You and I wouldn't have life today, but he kept, even when it was painful. And I bet somebody looked at him and said, why are you still striking? Why are you still doing that? Oh, man, I'm tired. I'm so frustrated. It's not working. I'm depressed. No, I'm happy now. I'm really depressed. No, I'm really happy now. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, my God. I love my wife. And just in case, well, I love my husband. They got an attitude with me today after lunch. I don't know if God wants us to be together anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So do you want to do this or no? Are you with me or not? <laughs> Keep on striking if you keep on struggling, I ain't going to break this table. So I need y'all to get the point before you mess my table up. First, he says, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. Watch verse 19. And the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck it five or six times. What does he mean by five or six? You should have kept going. Then you would have had struck Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. He said, listen. Your destination ended the same place your discipline did. Your destination ends the same place that your discipline does. See, had you kept striking, you, you would have made it all the way. But the reason you always come up short is because your discipline comes up short. But I just believe there's somebody at this 11:15 a.m. worship experience that says, I'm going all the way this time. Can I just get a holler? Can I get a shout? Can I get a wave? Can I get a clap? Somebody says, I'm going all the way. Holler, I must. I must stop the message now. Because I'm out of time. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin from makeup remover wipes to hydro boost water gel facial moisturizer. 
BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's.